The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. or episode oh, get the shows mixed up uh this show and wookie radio or this show this is wookie radio this show and we be geeks are episodes mighty marvel geeks is issues so welcome to another episode of wookie radio it is the smugglers three ken derek and myself mike and joining us is promoter and managing editor of modesto view Met a good one. How's everyone doing? I'm doing well. All right. Other than the 100 degree weather out here in California. <laughs> oh, I, I'm feeling it. I'm in Ohio and we actually hit 90 yesterday. I'm, wait a minute. This is way too hot for Ohio. Yeah, my roommate. I know, we were even getting it yeah. in Massachusetts. And it was 72 and I think today it was 89 or something. So Yeah, we got a break today because of the weather, which unfortunately canceled the uh, Falcon 9 with the Dragon module on it. Yeah. Which we were, my uh, Zoe and I were, were hoping to watch it from the backyard. Yard, which we'll have to wait till Sunday for that. I thought they were going to try to put it up Saturday. I mean, Saturday, not Sunday. Either way. <laughs> yeah. But, it's just nice that we're sending them up from America now. We're yes. sending our own flop. It's been 2011 was the last time we did it. Mm-hmm. But the last time we sent a candle in space, not a shuttle, which was you know the, the full you know booster rockets and the shuttle propulsion, but just a straight candle like the Falcon 9 or the old Saturn 70s. 5. It's 19, oh, July at 75 when we sent our final group up in a Saturn, Saturn 2 to Skylab. Yes, this mission this mission has caused me to go back and become a science nerd again or science geek. <laughs> I hate using the word nerd. Geek's more fun. There's a difference. Um so Indeed. Mitta, tell us a little bit about um, Modesto View and uh, some of the promoter work that you do. Uh, Modesto View is a monthly entertainment magazine, uh, you know, promoting Civic Pride Daily. Uh, the last three months, of course, have been odd for the magazine, but we've got it out. It's uh, at the printers as we speak. But uh, yeah, a little bit of everything. Uh, the great thing about it is the writers write about what they love. So awesome. the guy who's about jazz and blues, it, he performs. The woman who does 
does a singer-songwriter thing, she does it. Uh, the fitness guy is a fitness guy, runs, you know, triathlete type of thing. So everybody who has their part writes about it. Oh, cool. Uh, the beer review, person who writes about beer and brew and all that, actually homebrew and hoping to open up their own spot, does me and whatnot. So it's really cool that that part of it uh, is there. Makes it harder on me as the editor <laughs> because not all of them are writers, you know. So you get somebody who has a passion for something, just can't relay it in words. <laughs> but we make it work. Okay. So um, I read somewhere, maybe it was in one of your previous stories about May the 4th, that Modesto is considered the home of Star Wars. Well, you- George Lucas actually is from Modesto. Uh, his uh, childhood home is just around the corner from where I live. Oh, wow. Right later, he graduated from uh, Thomas Downey High School, uh, started studying film at MJC. And I don't know if you all know, but, you know, when he was younger, he raced cars and right. he flipped his car, almost died. Oh, wow. And that kind of shifted him from, hey, I don't want to be a car guy. I, I still love cars, <laughs> but I don't want to be racing these things. So uh, his dad knew a, a guy who was a director. They went to high school together at Modesto High uh, and got him an introduction to go down and meet him and talk to him about stuff. And that inspired him to go to film school down south. And pretty much the rest is history, you know. So, the uh, so, American so, Graffiti is about Modesto. Right. Almost seems like it's an autobiography on him oh, in many ways. It is. And more, it's about him and those people. It's like the pharaohs. I've become friends through the view of a lot of the guys who, you know, route their race. Well, the pharaohs, their whole thing was they weren't racers. They just had really nice cars because that's what got the ladies, you know. <laughs> but, you know, those guys are still kicking around and they all have really nice cars still. Um, uh, and You know what they say, wheels get the heels. Uh, but the funny thing was uh, Lucas was not an American car guy. He was racing the European cars. Oh, wow. So he that he was uh, uh I think they call, it was the uh, Ikuri uh, car club was his uh which is French and you know that that was his club and uh one of the guys actually and he was out uh, two years ago I think uh has a really nice Cobra that oh. they would race so you know wasn't all like later on wasn't wasn't there but yeah early on. You know, all the guys were, you know, they were the European racer guys. And then, of course, you had all the American guys. Uh, Gene Winfield, a friend of mine, he's from Modesto. But if you look him up, he's done a ton of vehicles for different movies. So the, uh, you know, Blade Runner, he created, he didn't design them, but he created them. He made them come to life. But he got his foot in the door by making a full scale, uh, well, actually created the shuttlecraft for Star Trek. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. So the original shuttlecraft, they created it and you know built it gave it to him and it was a kind of cool deal he did uh, models you know right, uh, worked at a model company so the whole deal was i we will build you this if you give us a license to do star trek models so all those early star trek models were through, through this guy and his company but he was the car guy on american graffiti on <laughs> uh he did the corvette for corvette summer which mark hamill was in yep. a year after sports he did the motorcycle for robocop uh, oh. the the stuff for the uh Get smart, Aston Martin. Oh. On that, oh. oh, he's done a ton of stuff. There's a car show uh, that still, I think, go, well, I think the, the cars are still there, but down in Hollywood or in uh, uh, L.A. And of 40 movie cars, eight were Gene Winfield. Oh wow! So, wow. 
That's, so, that's very cool. Another, oh, and then the, uh, uh, what is it, the uh, Interceptor. Remember the, the big gold car? Uh, they used it in one of the Batman shows as the Catwoman mobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was used in uh, uh, Star Trek when they were off planet. It was kind of like, you know, a futuristic, um, you know, America. But they had this car and they had the ads going on. He, you know, he actually drove that down to L.A. and just went around and showed it off until somebody was like, we're hiring you. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's cool. Cool history there. But yeah, so uh, we, we've embraced the Star Wars, you know. Uh, other people could probably say, you know, we're the home of Star Wars, I guess. But, you know, we are the home of Lucas, his hometown. He comes back once in a while, does his high school reunions. And uh, mm. so that's kind of cool. He actually was Grand Marshal 2000, I think, 11 for the American Graffiti Car Show. Uh, so, okay. and there's the, I wasn't part of it, but the magazine set up a bunch for the cruise route, which is 11th and 10th and 11th uh, doing a loop. And that's where they cruise back in the day here in Modesto. And so along the classic graffiti cruise route, there's these markers. And Lucas actually curated all of them. So made sure that all the information was correct, pulled out old <laughs> photos that he had. Uh, and so that's kind of a neat thing that he actually got involved in that. Oh, very cool. But as, as uh, Modesto, uh, we are the, I think, only city uh, still that made May the 4th Star Wars Day. <laughs> you know, California t- last year made it at the best behest of Disney, uh, Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Right. But, you know, I was part of it. I helped write the proclamation and got the city council to uh, proclaim eight years ago, Modesto... <laughs> Uh, May the 4th, Star Wars Day. And so we do a big event every May 4th. And uh, there's a guy who built a life-size uh, high fi- or, yeah, TIE fighter out in a series, and he brings that out. We have a, a three-quarter X-wing, and people dress up, and a big oh, light. Wow. So it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. that's, that's very cool. Yeah. So 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 the claim is that Modesto is the home of Star Wars Day, and that's where the whole movement started from. Well, the movement well, officially launched from there. But but we just we just claimed it. You know, it's like nobody else had. And it was like it should have been everywhere, you know, should should celebrate May the fourth. And we were all kind of celebrating it in our own way. Uh but once we made the proclamation, I was just like, Okay, the city's gonna embrace this, let's go hog wild. You know, let's celebrate big. So we closed off the 10th Street, which is where he used to drag race, uh well not drag race, but cruise, and uh, you know, he has his name, you know, in a marker down on the on the 10th Street, not too far from where we do it and makes sense. I'm pushing for, you know, a statue at some time, you know, there's a statue commemorating American graffiti uh, at five point, but I was like, we need a Star Wars one here, you know, let's let's do it, you know. Well, if in the parks you could have Walt and Mickey, why not have George and C-3PO? Right, right. Since since C-3PO always says, thank the maker, should be George and C-3PO. Yeah. (laughs) I think that would be appropriate. Last year in November to meet Anthony Daniels, uh, he did two book signings in America. One was in San Francisco. Just happened to be the day I was in San Francisco for a friend's 50th birthday. So (laughs) it was a very small bookstore, and I think they capped it at 200 people. Oh, wow. So And it was the price of the book. And he did an... uh, Oh, nice. Uh, you know, answered questions. He, he talked and he made sure that he spent time with everybody when he signed the book. It wasn't just, okay, you know, here's your book, get out of here. He, so. he, he's the same way at celebrations, at the Star Wars celebrations. Yeah. Uh, like the first year I went, we had to queue up uh, before we could get in. If we got into, if we got there too early, we queued up before they opened up the exhibit floor and he would walk through and, and thank it. That first day he went through and thanked everyone. And then even as you got there closer you know, right, even 10 minutes before, 
He would escort everyone down, make be there, open up the doors to the exhibit hall, walked back down, and stood at the entrance and shook and thanked every single person that came through the door. I believe it. I I'm believe like, it. Wow. And he doesn't have to. He, no, he and doesn't. Star Wars, you know, I mean, he's made a career on Star Wars dressing up, but it, it's not the only thing he does. So it, it's really neat that he is that genuine. And when he was there, he said that he's already made plans uh, to record extra stuff. You know, dialogue and different things. So when he dies, his his voice can actually continue on. Oh wow! And uh, he's agreed. Pretty much, he's. It's amazing that he's the only actor that if you see C three PO, it's him. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. And he's the only actor that's been in every Star Wars uh, movie. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. even even in uh, uh, Solo, he was another robot, but he was in there. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he had a brief appearance in Rogue One as himself. Yeah, as himself. But uh, oh, as, as C-3PO as well. Yeah, walking in the background. But yeah. But that's pretty incredible that he's the only one. Yeah. Nobody else has been in all of them. And uh, somebody somebody had asked him about his thing when he was talking about uh, owning the role and whatnot. When he did the uh, Muppet Show, remember uh, yeah. when Star Wars was on the Muppet Show, Mark Hamill. Uh, he said they had eleven lines of dialogue that they wrote, and he agreed to do three of them. <laughs> and he said, "No, the rest of that C3PO would not say." He did more dialogue, but he, you know, he was like, "No, I'm not doing that dialogue because it's, it's not, not the role." Yeah, and yeah. I thought that was great that somebody who's it's not just a gig for him anymore yeah you know right well i know he did uh for star tours uh the most recent version um well he did all the lines and wore the suit to do all the am- animation for them to mimic uh for the queue line when you see yeah. c-3po in the queue line and then with the new version he's again did the same thing put on the suit did all the lines and mimicked everything for them to copy the animatronics for maybe not put on the suit completely but at least put on the top and the and the mask so he could because he's sitting in the pilot's chair i mean the rest of it's fairly easy you know the lakes yeah. just sit there um but to mimic everything for that if i remember stories right there um but i i want to say anything that's officially licensed on tv or on screen or at an attraction that involves c3po he's had a yeah. major it's it's at least his voice yes yeah, yeah. I know that does have a couple other guys that have done 3PO for um, appearances and things, but if it's something that's a memorable thing that C-3PO walks around and talks, it's him. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. And it's incredible that he does that. Uh, you know, a lot of people just, okay, you know, let somebody else put the suit on. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And I know he... No, 3PO his career, basically. That's his, that's who he is. <laughs> yeah, he, he's embraced it. I mean, he, he was Legolas in the uh, the Lord of the Ring uh, animated pseudo. <sighs> He was at, he's done other stuff, you yeah. know, he's a worker, but this is a role that, you know, he's embraced and, you know, it's not an easy one that you would think to recreate every time because you are wearing a costume that once you're in it, you're in it. Right. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, R2-D2 where half the time it's just his bucket. Right. You know, uh, so there is that part and for him to just keep coming back, putting the suit on, it's pretty incredible. Well, I, I want to say, go as far as saying any dramatization of an audiobook that requires C-3PO, it's him. And even with the NPR radio dramas, that was he was the only actor from the films in those. Mark Hamill did the first one. Did he? Yeah, Mark Hamill did the first one. Uh, so, uh, you know, Star Wars A New Hope with, with uh, Anthony Daniels, but then Anthony Daniels continued on with the rest of them. And a cool story about that was uh, they, they paid a dollar per episode for licensing. 
Okay. So I thought that That's was not too bad. <laughs> well, I mean, it was one of those things where you and you think about it, and then they were allowed to use, uh, you know, to expand out on it, but also to use sound effects and and stuff from the movies. Yeah. Mm. You know, I mean, it's pretty incredible that Lucas. I mean, it was his alma mater. Uh, where, where they did the whole thing and, you know, the, the radio station was there at USC. But who does that? He goes, okay, you want to do this? Give me a dollar, you know? And yeah. then you want to do yeah. the next two? Give me a dollar. <laughs> Wouldn't happen today. Yeah. Yeah, that's no. for sure. But yeah, and then it's incredible that Anthony Daniels comes out and, you know, does all three of them. Yep. And it's funny, yeah. too, how he's featured on all the promotional posters. C-3PO's featured yes. on all the promotional posters for the radio dramas. Oh. Yeah, we actually this year shared uh, the radio drums. I was trying to get permission, but because of uh, the uh, COVID situation, uh, trying to contact somebody who could sign off on us broadcasting it. Because, I mean, there's still copyrights. Right. you know, it's kind of public domain, but not really. So I do a radio show, a couple radio shows at a community radio station here in Modesto. And so I was hoping that we could do leading up to May 4th this year, uh, weekly, you know, like, I guess what, 13. So two weeks leading up to May 4th, air the 30 minute episode every night. Oh, that's cool. But I'll probably get a, an email from somebody in two weeks saying, oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, we shared we shared the four hour version of it. Uh, YouTube, you know, as somebody has uploaded. It uh, cut out the the intro and ex, ex uh, uh, outros on it, can condense it a little bit more, uh, and it's like four and a half hours. We shared oh. that on May fourth. I had a bunch of different cosplayers dress up and and read uh, books from the, the little golden books. So yeah, they have yeah, yeah. Episode yeah, yeah. eight out and books. So we all read them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I I, I know somebody just dropped. Um, where you can download all the, maybe it's on archives.com or archives.org. They just dropped and made available where you can download uh, Empire or Star Wars Empire in Return. Uh, the radio dramas. Yeah, I have I have uh, all thirteen of uh, Star Wars, so I, I'm sure they're all available and easy to to, yeah. to get. Yeah. Actually, I still really, actually have all a cassette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually have uh, I think Empire on cassettes, missing one cassette. Ah, but it's really I, I bought it mainly because the box is really cool. Has a Millennium Falcon on the yep. emboss, or not even boss, but plastic, you know, yep. uh, on the front of it, and it's like nice little piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had I've had my in my hand a couple times the full set uh, on CD and I just did not have the cash at the time I had to put them back down and as soon as I did someone else swiped them right I'm like really can you wait until I turn my back and walk away before you do this <laughs> so it hurts less so um, now because of Star Wars Day there in Modesto you, you've had quite a few of the actors come through uh, we've had some of them uh, come through and then uh, you know over, over different times uh, I mean the first actor that came to Modesto so it wasn't for Star Wars Day, but it was via Lucas when the Gallo Center, which is our uh, entertainment uh, uh, house, I think it's 1800 capacity in the big room, and then they have a smaller one that's 440 for live music performances, different things. Uh, when Phantom Mis- Menace came out, okay. Lucas set it up for Mark Hamill to come to Modesto and do a signing uh, at the theater, and money from that oh, cool. all went to the Gallo Center. Oh, he donated cool. money too. I don't know how much money he donated himself. Because it's all, you know, he's not doing it to go look at me. It's just, you know, he did that. But he set it up, and I thought that was really cool that he did that. Um, But over the years, you know, the actor who was Greedo. uh, Oh, Paul Blake. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Paul. So, oh. 
Um, uh, and then, uh, see, Andrew Nelson comes, you know, at least once every other year, who spent 12 years in the Vader suit. Okay, uh, yeah. uh, then, uh, uh, Fernandez, Alan Fernandez, who was the, uh, Tuscan Raider that was actually the elephant trainer for the Banthas. Oh, so, uh, oh, cool. we actually were his, was my con that I do graffiti con was the second con he ever done. Oh, very cool. It was kind of neat there, and mm. so uh, he had fun with it, and, and just recently he figured out that people actually would be interested in meeting him. And Tim Donaldson was one of the uh, uh, Death Valley of Jawas. Okay. He okay. lives up in Sacramento, so about an hour away from us. So it's kind of nice that there is a fair amount of uh, actors still in California and in the area that are willing to come out uh, reasonably. And definitely it's not a big flight out. I do kick myself now uh, that the very first con I ever uh, was did and worked on, we got offered R2-D2. Oh, Kenny Baker. Yeah. Kenny Baker. But uh, he was uh, living in Malta at the time. So, you know, international flights, all that. It was just like, at first one, we didn't have any money. Right. So, everything was coming out of pocket. was like, yeah. okay. And then he passed away. So, I kick, kick a, my but we would have we would have been in debt on it you know i met him uh celebration six the second celebration that was here in orlando it happened to be across uh kenny and i's birthday weekend nice and the day that i got my interview or not my interview i got my autograph got him to sign my get an autograph from him was on our birthday. Sweet. And cool. um, he was kind of, you know, around that time, we're talking, it was 2012, and, and he was in bad shape then. Uh, and this was one of the last trips he, he came to the States. Yeah. And I, as he was sh- uh, signing an autograph, uh, I shook his hand beforehand. I just, I said, just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Um, you and I are birthday twins. Obviously, you're much older, uh, but we share the same day. Today's my birthday as well. And he he just paused and smiled. He goes, well, happy birthday. And uh, the, the picture I picked, he he chose a better one uh, instead. That was a little little pricier and said, this is my gift to you and signed it. And I'm like, OK. <laughs> Cool. I, right I, on, right on. So I, I got to meet him on, on our birthday, and that's a, that's a, a memory I'll, I'll treasure. So Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, in, in the scheme of things, it was probably best that we didn't. Like I said, he didn't. He passed away soon after. So yeah. he, if, you know, and that was, I think, what did he pass away? 2014? 13, 14, something like 13, that. 14, yeah. Because yeah. our event was summer of, of thir- uh, 14. I think he was still alive by that time. I, you know, we were t- discussing it uh in 13 him coming over but like i said it was the first event i was i got the call and i was like okay this would be great but you know actually like I said, he died in 2016 you know, oh 26 okay but uh oh, wow he he uh uh would have not you know it would have been one of those things where just a flight over would have killed us yeah you know yeah. right yeah yeah <laughs> you know unfortunately it, yeah. it, it would have been great if he's like hey you're going to be in new york already or you know Texas or wherever, yeah. another event right before, which is, you know, happens a lot of times when some of the ones from overseas are here and do these events. Uh, I said the Anthony Daniels thing was serendipitous because he was recording some uh, audio uh, for the last Star Wars movie uh, there in San Francisco. So, you know, Industrial Light. And so he, he was already out here, he had the book. So he set that all up. I saw the thing. I jumped on it right away, made my reservations to, to be there, you know, early, made the plans to just drive up early uh, and uh, then just hung out for a few hours. And then my friend had his birthday party and did that and then drove back home. <laughs> That's very cool. 
Very cool. So what what have been, I know a lot of this is going to be hearsay, um, but I thought you had a, when we were setting up the, you coming on to the show, I thought Steve mentioned something about um, a story you had with the Death Valley Jawas. Oh, well, uh, I'm just friends with, with uh, one of them. There's another one that lives up here. I haven't met her, but I mean, it's really cool. I mean, that whole story is really cool that, you know, I mean, it's stuff happens, but you know, some of the footage got ruined. So they need it to uh, film part of the, the Jawa scene. Well, they're not going to, you know, fly. You know, they didn't have the money. They didn't have the time to go back and film it overseas. Right. So somebody scouted Death Valley kind of looks the same. And then they actually went to the the homeschool. It was like the park rangers and such different kids. And they measured and there was eight of them that were the right heights and they put them in the costumes and went out for a day and filmed it. So there's eight kids who just happened to have a day off from school and are in Star Wars. And Tim Donaldson is one of them. <laughs> and he's really lucky because uh, I think it was his mom was there and she was a amateur photographer. And so she has pictures of him in the costume. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, no, no mask on, just, you know, the hood up and it's big, cheesy grand. So he's gotten really lucky <laughs> about that. You know, uh, some of the other ones and, you know, talking to him, it's like he goes, yeah, like it's amazing. He goes, I know all of us. We all, you know, we went to school together, you know, from like kindergarten through you know junior high all of us so it's like when somebody says they were a death valley jawa he goes i there you know he goes a lot of people have said it you know because it's just there's no way to really know unless you know who they are right they're not corrupted in the movie right uh really and so you know he said yeah he goes he was actually at an event and somebody was there signing autographs as a jawa and he was like starts talking to the guy he's like oh yeah blah, blah. he goes no no you're not you know, uh, you know there's three Tuscan Raiders. That was it. And, it, you know, I've heard many stories of guys going around saying they were Tuscan Raiders. Less so now because it's kind of gotten out there with the Internet. You can check things a little bit better. Right. But uh, mm. there was a while. That was the thing with like Alan. Once again, he there's pictures of him, you know, one in costume, one's without costumes, you know. And it's a great story because he worked at SeaWorld and he was the elephant trainer. So they cosplayed up a bunch of elephants or a couple elephants and dressed them up and they needed somebody who actually knew how to handle them. So Lucas, in Lucas fashion, offered him a gig. Hey, while you're here, you want to be in the movie? <laughs> that's, that's cool. So, oh, I just can't believe there are people who, who would try and pull a fast one, especially when you have... Oh. I can believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, actually, it. I could believe it. Yeah, and the thing is, is, you know, it's when there's so many of them are in costumes, you know, it's kind of hard to uh, verify, especially, like I said, you know, I can imagine how right. many doing that 10, 15 years ago, you know, pre pre available of the Internet to, to do a quick search. What did you say? And wh what was it? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's until like two or three years ago, there was um, two or three of the Cantina aliens from A New Hope that they said the production company still had no idea who it was that was in the costume. I believe it. Yeah. Because uh, especially yeah. the pickup they did when they came back, all the stuff that the insert shots and stuff, because yeah. they didn't have enough. It, a lot of those, they didn't have a list of who was in it. They had yeah. no idea who was doing it. Yeah. I worked on a film and it was uh, people signed their names to who, who the extras were in one of these scenes. But it was pulling teeth trying to figure out because they didn't, you know, they just scribbled their names on. They didn't care, you know, right, so yeah, yeah. trying to find out like what what does that say? And it's like six of us are looking at it like I think that says Max, you know, or this, you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, that's that's Julius, I think. You sure it's not Julian? I'm pretty sure it's Julius. 
<laughs> you know, I think that one says squiggly line. Spelled wrong, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of that, and it happens in a lot of different things, especially extras. And I'll, with with Lucas and the budget he was on, especially with New Hope, a lot of the guys were uh, just put in a costume. Mm-hmm. So you, you're some guy who's working as a grip. They throw in your costume. You go out there and you, you wear it. I mean, that's a whole start of uh, Andrew Nelson wearing the costume. He was the right height and size. You know, he did graphics and 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 animation stuff and uh, for Industrial Light and Magic. But he's what six four, whatever, the right height and build to fit in the costume. And they needed to reshoot for the digital edits. So right. that was his, his interaction. Plus, and, back back but, then they didn't. It was just a movie. It wasn't Star Wars, so yes. they weren't keeping track of everything and you know like they would nowadays oh for sure for sure uh i mean that was that was thing the the whole uh you know scene with with uh, the cantina scene especially but you know hans and greedo it's like the story of that too was they had one extra costume for greedo and when he gets shot the first one blew up they right. put too much explosive. Oh, wow. They had it on a mannequin, oh. but it just blew up, ruined it. And when I met him, he was talking about the story, and he said, uh, so they had to go, okay, well, we got a second one. So they did less, and they they put it on the mannequin. Then they took it off, and he put it on. And he said it was still smoldering <laughs> when he put it on. He goes, you know, this is pre, uh, you know, Twilight Zone, you know, helicopter uh, incident. So they yeah. didn't care. I just put it on. Right. You'll be fine. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, of course, they had to go back and do a retake with that. And Paul wasn't available because he was somewhere else. And there was um, there's there's set pictures of someone else wearing it on set. And she's wearing heels. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. No, I so, mean, that was, that was uh, I can't I can't remember who who she is that uh, filled in when they did the retake. But they just needed someone that was about the same height. She fit it and they go, she couldn't wear and they go, well, it's only a waist shot up. They go, okay, put her in the suit, left her, left her in the heels, and she's walking around yeah. in the heels. I mean, that that was part of that gorilla style, and you know, and not having money. You know, they just did things. They oh yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that you know the lightsaber is a flashlight because we all <laughs> when we were young took a flashlight and you know. <clears throat> took a glitter yep. stick and, and body each other with it. So it was like the fact that they were just making things off the cuff uh, is really incredible. I mean, there's all the magic above and beyond and the fact that it all comes together and here we are, you know, decades later talking about it. Yeah. Well, speaking of lightsabers and flashlights, you're you're old enough because you and I are very close in age to remember when the first lightsaber toy was a flashlight with the inflatable, inflatable yep. blade, which but. I've been trying to find. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to relive my past and find one on eBay. They show yeah, up try- every now and then. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Uh, the problem is that the um, vinyl that those were made out of ends up rotting after a certain amount of time, and you can't, it won't even unfold. Yeah. Well, they knew there was going to be a potential problem when this, when the toy came with like six patches so you could patch it. <laughs> they, they knew the type of material they had. I, I, I kind of, I kind of, uh, hate knowing this fact, but I have a friend who's, uh, his neighbor were the, you know, were the Lu- Lucases, you know, uh, George's parents. And so George at one point gave them, you know, friend of mine and his brother, the Corgets, uh, who's, whose dad, uh, was one of the original car guys, you know, back in the day. Right. Uh, right. but gave him a couple of the graph, you know, graphic, uh, you know, lightsabers, oh. you know, you know 
know, they <laughs> destroyed them. Uh, my roommate had a complete set of prototypes of the toys because his grandfather uh, back in, in Ohio was a guy who did all the, the uh, chemicals for the paint, the coloration and all that. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, Down at you know, Kenner, yeah. Yeah. So he didn't work for Kenner, but he supplied them with the dyes and different things. So he ended up getting a, a you know, for a lot of the other toys too. But, you know, oh, my, my, uh, before the, the toys even came out, he had a complete set, you know. Oh, wow. Of, of, uh, and, you know, I'm like, he's like, yeah, I know. I probably, you know, melted a head off of one, you know, lost home. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, I remember before, you know, before Christmas, before you could even get them, flying out when he moved to California. He goes, yeah, I had him on the plane. He goes, I remember, you know, you know, I didn't even think anything of it until later, you know, when I'm playing with the kids. He's like, where did you get these? He's like, oh, my grandpa gave them to me. Yeah. Playing Star Wars. But none of them are really thinking. It's like, oh, well, I, you know, my mom said they couldn't, couldn't get any of them, you know, that we have to send a coupon in or something. And I'm like, uh. well, I, I remember later uh, when the vehicles started to come out, uh, all my friends and I, we all had the X-Wings. I had one. And yes. uh, so here we are, yep. uh, first grade, maybe going into second grade. No, it's spring spring of my first grade year. Uh, we're, we're out on the playground and all the boys in class, we all had the same Luke Skywalker and X-Wing pilot. We all had the same X-Wing. We all brought them to school. And here's 10 or 12 of us flying around or running around with our X-Wings chasing each other. There would be one or two kids who brought a TIE fighter and we're either chasing them or they're chasing us <laughs> just running around this playground. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what it was. And then some of them, we go over to their house and he goes, oh, we should do this. And we rigged up a system where we could have it slide down uh, some kite string. He goes, oh, let's go even one further. Who, who's next wing we're going to use? I'm like, if I think we're going to do what you think you're going to do, not mine. <laughs> we dropped, we had extra cherry bombs from from New Year's, put a long fuse on it, eight or nine, the father come out, light it, we slide it down from the barn down to the ground, see how far it go before it would blow up. Like, yep, not sacrificing mine, I'm not bringing mine over. There you go. <laughs> but it was fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> we can only imagine. So this is how they did it in the movie. <laughs> so um, since you've been doing Graffiti Con and, and having a bunch of these shows and uh, eventually, hopefully, we'll love to see a May 4th Con come up around the time of the weekend. Um, yeah, once it, once it hits a weekend day, you know, we, we've talked about it. Uh, when we started, the first one we did uh, was a Wednesday. Okay. Tuesday or Wednesday, the first year, you know. So it was like uh, just kind of did it. But it's been growing. And, you know, it's actually been a lot of fun uh the last two years i've added uh the buyer high school marching band they come out and they do john williams songs and whatnot Uh, another band called the lodgepole pickers and they dress up in jedi outfits and the drummer dress up like Mm -hmm. han solo and they play you know mostly 60 70s 80 rock and roll stuff but they'll throw a little don 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 or you know so little flourishes uh i've been trying to talk them into doing uh the uh miss american pie parody you know Oh, weirdo. Uh, oh, yeah. I was like, come on, there's enough. You know, you know, to fly for a Jedi. You know, there's all these parodies out there. You can, right. you can do something. Uh, <laughs> uh, even if you did like a three-day convention on a date, on a weekend close to the, the date. Now, if it's on a Wednesday, then it's a toss-up. You go weekend yeah. before or weekend after. 
And I, I think it would still be cool to celebrate an excuse to celebrate May 4th all weekend long. Of course. Uh, I mean, they, and you definitely, I mean, if, if it becomes a Friday, Saturday, makes it easier, you know, because Revenge right. of the Sith, you know. So you can always, you know, if it's Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday uh, can work. Uh, it, it's just, you know, making it making it uh, happen. Right. You know, yeah. This year was a Monday. So it's going to be a, another week before we hit a weekend. <laughs> another, you know, yeah, five, right. six big years. But, you know, even on the one. I mean, it's like it's amazing to see these people and so many kids come out and a lot of them are kids and families that are not going to con because, you know, it's like I'm, you know, recognizing doing these events, you know, seeing certain people. I see them at the May the 4th, but I don't see them at the regular cons. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm okay with that. You know, but these kids, they dress up a lot of them, you know, Halloween costumes, whatnot. Uh, But then you get these people who just go so overboard, you know, and they got costume, you know, you know, I mean, I will first guys come out the different ones, but you get some of these people who are not part of those groups and what they've made for themselves is pretty legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'll, oh, yeah. uh-huh. I'll say I may or may not have a Jedi costume sitting in my front closet. <laughs> I have a Sith one. I, I gotta get boot. I gotta get new boots. Yeah. Mine, but I, 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 I have a Jedi costume. I think it's funny. It's like you know, I uh, uh, in in real life I'm probably a Jedi, but you know, uh, in fantasy life I'm a Sith. Uh, in fantasy life, at the moment I'm a I'm a Jedi. I think in real life I'm more of a scoundrel. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I would almost consider myself more a, a scoundrel along the lines of Ahsoka now, as we start to see her in Rebels, where maybe I or are similar to Kanan, where maybe I did have connections to the temple at one time. So maybe I still wield a, a saber or have a saber, but you know, Blaster's okay too now. I've always wanted to be Han Solo myself. Well, I'll tell you, since we've called ourselves the Smugglers 3 with this show which started early and then going to galaxy's edge. I'm like, okay, I could go resistance. I could go first order or I could go scoundrel tracks. I'm kind of embracing the scoundrel. I kind of, it's almost more fun. Yeah. Yep. And there's, and again, there's a lot more leeway to say, yeah, maybe I was a part of the Jedi order at one time and got kicked out. Well, yeah, if you look at the evidence, or maybe let's say, if you look at what we've seen since, um, after episode three, the um, Jedi that survived it, almost all of them ended up in smuggling somehow. Yeah. Or something that would be considered a scoundrel. Well, uh, that's Cal- what I was going to say. Um, Kane and Jarrus, all of them. Well, Ahsoka. We go back into the prequels. Aura Singh, bounty hunter, who originally had Jedi ties. It's so like you got a certain skills once you've, once you've been trained as a Jedi. Now, what, how, right. what else can they be used for? Very sure. true. So what, sure, if there's no Jedi anymore, you got to <laughs> do something. What's been some of the, the favorite stories you've heard from um, different guests that maybe aren't around anymore um, that, you, that you could share? Um, well, I, I do, I do like, I do like, uh, one of the stories was, you know, and I've asked it is like, you know, uh, Lucas's, uh, direction. So like, you know, C3PO, you know, when I, I asked Daniel, like, when, when, uh, you know, what, what kind of direction did, did he give you? He goes direction, you know, he goes, <laughs> the funniest thing is I did the take the way I wanted to. Then they had me do the take a totally different way. And then when they went in to, to dub everything, I ended up doing it the way I did the first time. He goes, I mean, Lucas, <laughs> 
was kind of, you know, free will in it. You know, he was a, you know, uh, kind of a, a rebel himself, you know, out there yep. making a movie, not really knowing exactly how to do it, you know, mm. kind of he, making it up as he went along. Um, Almost got you know, kicked off his own film. Yes. With, with the, uh, with, you know, all the aliens in, uh, in the cantina, you know, I mean, most of those guys were, you know, a lot of them were serious actors, English actors. I mean, you think about it, it's like, you got these Americans, you know, nobody really knew Mark Hamill, you know, a bunch of, I mean, that was one thing, uh, Paul did, said, Rito was like, they gave, you know, Harrison, you know, because he was kind of a big guy, kind of, kind of seemed tough. But, you know, it was like Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, especially. They gave, gave him grief to begin with. They thought they were making Plan 9 from outer space. All yeah. these British actors. I mean, mm-hmm. right. they worked on, you know, uh, you know Lawrence of, uh, uh, of Arabia and then these great epic, you know, films. And then they're doing this all intents and purposes at that time, B-movie sci-fi film, yep. you know. And no, like like you said, nobody expected it to do what it did. You know, I mean, what was it? Twenty seven theaters, thirty one theaters when it first opened. I think so. You know, and then the second one was twelve hundred theaters. You know, uh, well, they didn't even have a poster when the first movie came out. You know, when they first put it. <laughs> the, so it's like nobody was was guessing this was going to be what it ended up being. But the thing, and, but it stayed in theaters for over a year. Oh no, no! I mean, it kept going back. Yeah, uh, yeah, and in more theaters, and that is an amazing thing. Um, that it's a testament, yep. but. The fact is, and, you know, it was that time. I mean, nowadays, you know, it's unfortunate. A movie can be amazing. It goes in the theater. If it doesn't, you know, do well to begin with, it's out and it's gone. You know, you might right. see it later on. Uh, like Reservoir Dogs. It didn't last long in the theater. It did real well on on a DVD. And they brought it back later as like a 10th anniversary thing and yep. put it in the theater. And, and people went and flocked to it. Um, that's different. But Star Wars, yeah, it was just, a, it's just, okay, this is going to, oh, wait, more theaters want it. It's getting bigger. People are talking about it, and it just exponentially got bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, the the cast, especially like I said, the the, the crew and the cast in, in England, you know, really did not think much of it. And Lucas's uh, direction for the aliens was, you know, it was like, hey, how do you want us to play these parts? Oh, just like an alien. Literally, that's what they told me. They said, you know, like an alien, you know. And here's stage and and epic screen actors, you know. Yeah. Uh, Sir Ian McCallan is like, ah, you know, just. <laughs> Not really, you know, he wrote a, you know, wrote a great script. It's epic. We all love it. But, you know, that first time around as a director, you know, but I think that's part of the charm of it. The fact that everybody who was doing their part, you know, be it Anthony Daniels, Baker, whatever, they created a lot of it themselves. Well, uh, Daniels almost wasn't the voice of. Yes. Yes. C-3PO. He he just did it for, you know, like David Prowse did it for on set. So they had something to react to. And then when they went back, if I remember the story right, uh, Lucas tried a couple other voice actors. And they said, you know, can't get the right British butler type esque voice. And then I think it was Ben Burt might have reached over and said, uh, you had it with the first guy. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, that's bring him in. I, I feel bad for Prowse. You know, you sign up for a movie, plus, you know, you're contracted for the the options, and then they decide they're going to overdub. You know? Yeah. Uh... I mean, I, I remember him saying that he had a, was given the choice of either Vader or Chewbacca. Yep. And he was like, well, the villain. Always much more fun playing the villain, so he took Vader. Well, or, I, I had the story I always heard. He was allergic to the yak hair. Uh, the, may, I mean, he might have in the chewy. He did say oh, he was the, the villain. Um, I mean, that might have been another reason. Uh, but then he learns all the lines, and then like, ah, we're gonna we're gonna go a different direction. We're gonna get James Earl Jones, you know. <laughs> and and I'm telling you, it's like 
I was shocked when the mask came off. Yeah, you and know? I wasn't proud, so it was someone different. Don't. Oh, yeah, right. You know, because you hear that voice, you hear that voice, yeah. and then, wait a minute, who's this pacey white kid? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was, that's not even, if I remember right, a lot of, like, the Imperial officers and stuff were redubbed also. Yeah, yeah. And and um, until you hear those stories, if you just watch the film, it was done so well that that matches. It was and different art back then. That time. Uh, you know, I, I've had uh, Doug, not Doug, well, I've had Doug Jones come out, but uh, Sam Jones, Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. You know, it was like he does the whole thing, and then afterwards, he didn't even know that they, in, until he saw the movie, that they overdubbed him. <laughs> you know, they, they were just like, uh, yeah, I, I don't like his voice. You know, does the whole thing. Um, and they, they, they dub another guy in there. And, uh, so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy when, when those things happen, but, uh, uh. Never knew yeah. Flash. I never knew in Flash Gordon that was not Sam Jones's real voice. That was not his voice. Nope. Unbelievable. It's all part. It's like that's like with um with Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Hercules movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, they Hercules in New York. They did the. Yeah. Sa- I want to say they did the same thing with him in in the villain as well. They, yeah, yeah, the early ones. Yeah, his his accent was pretty uh, thick. Yeah, they they let they brought someone in who who had a similar accent for the villain, but it wasn't as thick, but close to Schwarzenegger's tone. Because I, I want to say in the villain, God, it's been so long since I've seen the villain. Um, that was one of my favorite movies too, with Kirk Douglas as well. Um, I thought I know he's overdubbed, but I don't remember if it was overdubbed American voice or with the um the Austrian accent. Yeah. I, I just don't remember. God, it's been so long. But yeah, I mean that. I mean, think about it. There was a lot of that going on. I mean, Mad Max. Yeah, yeah. You know the first one, right? And, and that, that's odd. You know when you hear it, and then Blade Runner comes, or not Blade Runner, but uh, Road Warrior comes out, and you hear him, and it's a different voice. It's like <laughs> yeah. same face, same person. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I know um, I'm good friends with uh, the gentleman who played Lieutenant Kirby in Star Wars. Uh, he's the officer in charge of the um, the exam crew, the boarding crew that goes into the Falcon to search it. Okay. And um, he goes, yeah, Lucas was so green, even though he had done the other two films, he was so green coming to England doing a film that they almost kicked him off set. <laughs> and someone threatened him, threatened to kick him off if he says, if you say faster, more intense, one more time, you're gone. <laughs> Of course, that becomes his trademark afterwards. Yeah. George Lucas has never been accused of being an actor's director. No. 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 Yeah. He's a great visionary. He's an awesome storyteller. But that's why you have a se- uh, um, first AD. Yeah. He tells director, actors what to do. Yeah. But, I mean, you think about it. I mean, that's and those are the great stories when you hear them from him because you think, you know, hey, this is your film. This is your vision. What do you want? And he's just kind of, eh, <laughs> just do your thing. Yeah. Well, especially when you got to the prequels and you can just fix everything in post. To just yeah get film I can do, do all kinds of stuff afterwards. <laughs> right, so, yeah. Oh, I I've been surprised lately hearing uh, even though there was a lot of green screen on the prequels, still just how much practical he did use on set. Um, yeah, there was there was I know there was a lot of miniatures and stuff. Yeah, but he, even for the larger 
you know, full size set still just how much actual practicals there were mm. with the green screen. Um, I I think he's getting, you know, as more and more of this is coming out, it's like, okay, he the prequels aren't, I never thought they were bad, bad, but I, th- I think they're going to get a much greater appreciation with the older generation who thought, oh, that was just a green screen set the whole time um, when it wasn't. So I, I've, I've been glad to hear that. Now, have you had um, any partnership with May 4th with Lucasfilm being... Not- not at all. Not at all. Uh, and I'm okay with it. You know, we've, you know, we've, uh, uh, there has been a few reach outs, but I mean, after we started, it was pretty much, he, he was getting out of, you know, he'd sold off. I think it was like the contracts were going up. He was working on selling everything off and then sold off to Disney. Uh, so he was moving away from it. Uh, so in the future, who knows? Um, it'd be great. And, I, you know, definitely the more we do it and the, the larger it grows, uh, hopefully we'll get more involvement from other people. And, Very cool. you know, if we don't, like I said, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it being a fan event. You know, as, as of now, it's totally free. Anybody shows up, you know, they come out, they have it. I get the uh, local restaurants that are in the area and, and the movie theater. They don't know, donate a percentage to the children's hospital. Oh, very uh, cool. So that's kind of my push for it. And, then, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, a few uh, last year. Yeah, I shouldn't have done it. I did a, a three three foot uh, diameter Death Star pinata. <laughs> and then I filled it up with some toys, candy stickers and such. Uh, but, of course, it was so big and I should have done like some wire reinforcement or something. Never made a pinata that big and definitely hadn't made one uh, that, since I was a kid, you know, making pinata. So I did the whole thing up and at a certain point it got hit just right and it just the bottom almost cracked right around, you know, just because of the weight, you know, that stretch, <laughs> stretch fracture hit and a couple more hits and it just fell and the whole thing just like the whole bottom fell out from it. Oh, and uh, the vultures, the kids go swarming on it, but uh, it was still fun. It was still fun. Um, so I was like, in the future, if I make them, actually in the future, I'll probably just have some local party store that makes pinatas do one up, you know, even if it's just, hey, make me a round one, I'll paint it and and, and, and do that part. Uh, yeah, yeah, that might be easier. It, it's it, was kind of, it was kind of fun. I took pictures of it as I was doing, you know, uh, coding it. I took old copies of our magazine and stripped them and, and used that as the uh, paper mache on it. Awesome. Uh, and then, you know, painted it. And then I uh, took took a while, but, you know, I took a chisel chisel tipped Sharpie and, and drew all the uh, uh, designs on it. Oh, wow. So it took a couple of weeks to complete. Oh, and I bet. Maybe two minutes. <laughs> and, and, it's, and, it's weak, and its weakness was a two centimeter exhaust port. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so uh, I should have just, you know, put an arrow and say hit here. <laughs> <laughs> Stay on target. <laughs> but I mean, it was, like I said, it was fun and it looked epic. You no, know? like I said, it was, uh, you know, I used a uh, uh, good sized beach ball. Oh, cool. You know, mm. so what are you going to do? Sit back, have fun, and watch the kids enjoy themselves because that's what it's about. And actually, we had a uh, custom uh, uh, lightsaber built for it so that the kids could, you know, use a lightsaber instead of just a bat or a stick to beat the hell out of it. Oh, oh yeah. We've been. That's awesome. What could have also worked, too, is the old uh, lightsabers from the 80s that had the flashlight-like handle with the big PVC tube yeah, at the well, end. It was like 
like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was a Dow, you know, pretty sturdy, sturdy Dow stick and uh, a PVC handle uh, created to look like a lightsaber. Painted blue. So the kids had fun with it. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's the important part is the kids have fun. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, we're all kids. So, I mean, it's like that. Um, and just, you know, kind of creating those those moments and those memories that, uh, I mean, I'll have to send you a picture of the uh, uh, X-Wing and the, especially the, the uh, TIE Fighter. Like I said, it's uh. two stories high. You can actually sit oh, in wow. it. Oh, wow. Uh, Stephen Gwen, who is our local uh, 501st Vader out here, six six i think he's able to fit in it oh wow so you know it uh it's really neat that this, you know and the guy made it for a uh christmas parade oh so cool. every year he comes up with some crazy thing That's he's a star awesome. wars fan so he did that uh but i and i was kind of surprised when it when you could actually get inside of it you know I was like, because that's not something he goes, well, you know, you have to have all the paneling and everything lighting up inside. So why not? And uh, so that's been a neat thing that we've been able to, to yeah. bring out. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll con- be, continue to be able to. Uh, I know the few celebrations where they've had a full size TIE fighter um, there. They've always got it um, strapped up to the to the ceiling, you know, safety lines or tie, uh, yeah, rig lines up to this up to the ceiling just so it stays up because it, it seems like the way it's designed is so heavy in the with the cockpit area the wings can't support it so i would be curious to see how he he did it where it was self-standing without any yeah, any support it's all, all metal so wow. so yeah yeah it's pretty incredible it's pretty incredible a few years uh before he did a uh i think it was probably a two-story leg lamp from uh, oh wow no. <laughs> so he got that would some be cool great kids. he makes it puts it on his, his truck he, he's an almond almond farmer so you know he has his, his flatbed he'll load it up on the flatbed do this the turlock uh, parade of lights and when i saw that i was just like i need to know who this is and a friend of mine was like oh that's my neighbor like, <laughs> put me in touch with it the guy you know the guy's name is eric i was like put me in touch with him like we need to have that oh that's cool that's very cool mm, definitely and it was i mean it was amazing once people found out that you could get inside it was just there was a line oh, all night long i can imagine i didn't even get to get inside of it you know because it was like i got other things to do i was like all right next year and then the next the, the year after he was uh in south america working and then this year it fell through because of you yeah know, COVID. so i'm like i want my picture in the lights or in the uh tie fighter it's almost like i'll come to you for that <laughs> I might have to do that. Just drive out, you know. Uh, I think now it's at the. Uh, yeah. Talking about putting it at the uh, Air Force Base. Have, oh, very cool. Uh, uh, one of the one of the main guys in the five hundred first is ex-military, and so they do a bunch of events for the uh, Travis Air Force Base uh, mu- Museum. And I know he was talking to Eric, trying to convince him to store it there instead of just out on his farm, sent out in a field when he's not using it. Uh, and I know if, once once it is there, it's going to be an attraction. Yeah, you know, that's know. you know people are going to do it. And that's kind of the, the thing with trying to build something like that or have something a millennium falcon uh do up the big round water tower we have in town as the death star or something or uh it's like something if we can do that you know people will drive and take pictures and you know do their thing um oh yeah yeah you know yeah just mm. just what it is mm. so that's cool yeah uh where can people find you online uh if they do a search for meta goodwin m-i-d-d-a-g-h goodwin g-o-o-d-w-i-n you're gonna find me uh i don't think there's another one of me out there uh <laughs> graffiti con 209 that's on all the social media um and then i also do uh promotion and it's beat happy music okay awesome well thank you for joining us this week it was Good a pleasure yeah it was fun 
I, and it's fun. And I've been enjoying watching or looking at the pictures behind you. You've, you've got yeah, yeah. You got the Leia, the Vader, and the. I and have the Luke. I have of these two. I do have uh, uh, a third print, which is uh, Boba Fett. It was a series oh. that they put out uh, for May the Fourth. Uh, well, it was May the Fourth, Revenge of the Fifth. Uh, there was a company that did, and the guy who created them, I think the Han Solo one. There, there's a matching number set. I think it's eighteen of, but they're different numbers. So you could order one or you could order the complete set and so each one of them the second number differs okay uh and he's done some other work uh so i did the uh i dressed up as darth vader for may the 4th and i read uh episode two oh, no, episode three, revenge of the, the the sith and uh uh the little ch- the children's book for for may the 4th uh, yep. celebration and I was smart. I put the mask on. Uh, I wore a Hawaiian shirt. I was, you know, Vader. Vader's uh, affected by the uh, the pandemic as well. And uh, so I recorded the whole story, read it, read an audio file, and then I played that back and just pantomime. Oh, very cool. I'm, I'm trying to do it with the mask on it. And you can't understand what I'm saying. So I was like, okay, <laughs> we can do this. So I just read it back and it worked. And I was able to have a lot more fun because I'm just, somebody goes, what do you, I go, oh, I just memorized it. He's like, like, no, you didn't. It's like, because you're not even looking at the book half the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I moved those from another wall. So I had some backdrop. So. I have a, a friend of mine who's a comic artist, uh, Ruben Villalobos, uh, uh, did a Frank Miller-esque Batman. Then I have a Captain America one that another friend of mine uh, who's an artist drew. Those would normally be there, but I'd moved them and just hadn't moved them back. And I knew this was coming up. So I okay. felt I'd leave them there. But uh, yeah, yeah it was, it's like the uh, Carrie Fisher is a, a prize possession because it's signed. Uh, oh, cool. So, you know, it's uh, one of those things. You, you got to you gotta hang on to those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I regret not getting a, a Hamill signature when he came to town. Kick myself still for that. <laughs> but he's still with us. So, so yeah. Hey, mate. Yeah, I have uh, here uh, Ben Burt autograph. Oh, very cool. And then right below it is one of the actual cells from Ewoks. I did not get it recently. I've had it since uh, back when the Star Wars fan club hyperspace was around one year as part of your hyperspace packet for either renewal or for signing up. They sent a, uh, a cell from the show and a lot of people going, oh, I got a hand. I got an eyeball. I got I'm like, I'll keep my mouth shut because I got a full pack animal. I got the full head of a pack animal from Ewoks. Nice. Um, but. But we're looking at taking these, moving the child, which this one my wife painted. Uh, my daughter has hers in her bedroom, moving it to here. And then we're going to put my other autograph pictures in that spot. So I have a few others uh, like Kenny Baker's and uh, Peter Mayhew and uh, Chris Monkey, who who played Kurt, uh, Lieutenant Kurt. Uh-huh. Very so, cool. Um, so we're going to put those there. Yeah, I, I have uh, actually, and I'm not a, a fan uh, of the Harry Potter, but uh, uh, what is it? Blood Raven? Is that one of the movies? I can't remember one. It, it's it's mislabeled so that people didn't know what it was at first. But a friend of mine worked at the drive-in before it bur- burned down. And, you know, he was my roommate for a while, owed me some money. He goes, uh, yeah, there's some, some uh, you know, 35 millimeter films out in the garage. You can have them. <laughs> So at some point, I you know I put the word out a little bit. It's like I, I don't even know what all of them are, but I do know one is a Harry Potter one. Oh, and, that's cool. You know, I know I could probably make more money cutting it up and selling it on eBay. <laughs> yeah. But I love movies, even if though I'm not a fan of that movie, and so I'm kind of like, 
I'd rather find somebody who just wants the movie, you know? Yeah, right. And yeah. will give me something for it, you know? Uh, oh, if I had the money, I would make the offer because my daughter is a Harry Potter fan. And that would definitely, especially in the film canister, would look great yeah, on her shelf. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, for me, most of it is like, like I need to find, you know, probably ideally find somebody locally because the shipping on that yeah. is just the beast. I think it's two canisters. Oh, yeah. You know? So you're, you're looking at, you're looking at, uh, Almost a two-inch box. Oh, well, actually, you know, the box, oh. the metal oh. container is probably. Uh, oh, it's the steel. It's the steel lock box. Steel yeah. Lock box. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's so almost itself. Yeah. The other one in, in uh, the plastic lock boxes, which is pretty sturdy, but you know, right. yeah. But th- this one is in the steel one. It's mislabeled up intentionally because you know, right? They were yeah. trying to keep it under wraps. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the case is mislabeled, but the the reels the inside is, is, is labeled. Bet, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. And, you know, so I can't remember which, what is, you know, what the movie is, because I look at the thing, like, uh, it's what's, you know, and I, I mean, the date's on it, so I, every so often I'm looking it up, and like, oh, that's what it is. Like, yeah. I have to tell somebody. Yeah. But, uh, well, that's cool. Well, thank you for, for joining us this week. It's been a blast. Thank you, guys. Our pleasure. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for coming on. Uh, Ken, Derek, any final thoughts? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, well, I, nope. And there's, you got it. Oh, there is one more thing I just uh, I, I just saw, if you check YouTube today, they finally put out the trailer and they announced the um, premiere date for the Jedi Trials um, game show for kids. It's on June. Oh, yeah. With Ahmed Best. I, I'm getting ready. I'm going to be putting up uh, within the next day or two the, the press release on wikiradio.net. Cool. So, well, on that note, there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. I see your point, sir.